Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Let's join Pastor Brett preaching from the Gospel of Luke. Levi wasn't looking for glory for himself to say, look how awesome I am as a new follower. It wasn't about Levi, it was about Jesus. We see that the feast that he made, it said he made the feast for him. Levi was excited to join Jesus in his mission, to be a blessing to the mission of Jesus and to tell other people, look, I found something worth being a part of and I'm going to tell everybody I know about it. Is that your attitude this morning? And here's where it starts to get a little bit more uncomfortable for us, if we're being honest, including myself. You see, I think, again, with our words, I think we would have the right answers here. But does our lifestyle communicate to unbelievers that we are unashamed of Jesus? It's one thing to say, yeah, I love Jesus and I'm a Christian. But when they look at your life, would your life communicate the same truth as your words? Does your lifestyle communicate to unbelievers that you are proud to be a follower of Jesus? Not arrogant, but excited. Would your life, would they say, man, I just look at that guy's life. I look what they spend their time on. I look at, I look at what they're doing with their life, with their kids, with their marriage, with their home. And it just seems like they love Jesus. Is that what people would say about your life? Is that what people would say about my life? Do your unbelieving friends even know you're a Christian? See, we have to be available to people if they're even going to even see our life at all, though. That's the key. If we never are around them, they're not even going to be able to see. But if we are, what are they seeing? So what could you do this week that your lifestyle could communicate that you love Jesus? Think for you personally what that might look like. What could you do to show people with your life that you are excited about being a follower of Jesus? So Levi is throwing a big party. He's not ashamed. He's excited. And we see that who is attending this? Well, Levi throws the party. Jesus accepts the invitation. I love that our missionaries use that language. We didn't plan this. We didn't script this out. They said they accepted invitations to be with some people. Jesus accepted the invitation from Levi to be in his home. He noticed also that Jesus didn't go by himself. Who did he bring with him? His disciples. Jesus was a great disciple maker. Everywhere he went, he brought men with him. So there's a really tiny point of application for you all. Everywhere you go, bring somebody with you. Never do ministry alone. Bring someone else with you. So Jesus, his disciples, Levi, a bunch of tax collectors, and a bunch of sinners all conglomerate into this house for a great feast and a great party. Now at this point, we need to talk about a really common misconception here about Jesus uh, that we need to be careful Um, It's very easy for us to go, well, Jesus was hanging out with sinners. Jesus went to the party. Man, Jesus is pretty relevant. He's pretty cool. I wonder if he was drinking too. We get all all kind of weird about this stuff. So let me say this. Um, Jesus Jesus was not um, there at this party to approve of their sinful lifestyle. Jesus was not there to turn a blind eye to their sin. And our culture oftentimes likes to take scriptures like this and twist it And we like to make Jesus in our own image, don't we? So what's careful is we take things like Jesus ate with sinners, and that becomes, well, you know, Jesus loved a good party, and, you know, Jesus probably had a beer while he was there. And then that turns into, you know, Jesus was probably more interested in taking sides than than preaching the gospel, which then becomes, you know, Jesus always sided with the religious outsiders, and on and on and on. And next thing you know, you get down further away from the Bible. Next thing you know, you've got these half-truths or maybe not-truths at all. 
And next thing you know, we've made Jesus into like our culture. So let's be careful. The passage does not say those things. So let's be careful here. Does that make sense? You all with me this morning? Okay, so the reality is that the unbelievers were naturally drawn to Jesus though. They were drawn to him because he had good news. He was preaching the kingdom. He was like on anybody, nobody had ever seen anyone like him. But as unbelievers were drawn to him, it's important to note that Jesus was not afraid to spend time with them. Jesus gladly made time with them. He accepted invitations into their home, knowing there would be those people in the room. He gladly went there. Jesus forgave repentant sinners. And Jesus embraced sinners who believed in him or were on their way to believing in him. So one commentator says this well. He says, Jesus was a friend of sinners, not because he winked at sin, ignored sin, or even highlighted or enjoyed this lighthearted revelry with those engaged in immorality. No, no, Jesus was a friend of sinners in that he came to save sinners and was very pleased to welcome sinners who were open to the gospel, sorry for their sins and on their way to putting their faith in him. So that was Jesus' posture toward unbelievers. He wasn't joining them in all that they were doing, but he was willing to be where they were, to be who he was. So the question for us becomes today, can the same be said of you? Are you willing to be where unbelievers are without compromising your convictions or your values? We're not asking you to put yourself in a place of compromise, of course. But let's look now at the other side of the coin. We've got some people who maybe think Jesus was just the party guy at the frat house. He wasn't that. And we've got some other people now, like the Pharisees that we're going to see, who thought Jesus wasn't religious enough. Okay? So verse 30, we see it says, And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at the disciples, saying... Why do you eat and drink with these tax collectors and sinners? Okay, so the Pharisees are grumbling. Now, I think it's interesting. The Pharisees are cowards. They don't even grumble at Jesus. They grumble at his disciples. They don't even have the courage to go to the guy himself and ask him the question to his face. And most critics are cowards that just want to stir up drama anyways, aren't they? And we see the Pharisees are no different. They wanted to stir up some controversy. They wanted to poke at Jesus and his ministry, but they didn't have the courage to go look at him right in the eye and say, hey, why are you doing this? So they ask this question, and the question that they ask, it reeks of religious arrogance. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? It's almost like you can hear them looking at the scene and going, ew, ew, you hang out with those people? Ew, gross. That's the tone that I think we see in this question from these guys. And the question reveals their heart. Their question and their response reveals their lack of maturity. It reveals their lack of compassion. It reveals a lack of grace. It also reveals that they don't have any idea what Jesus' message is. They don't understand his ministry at all. And I think if we're being honest, we may think, well, it's not that big a deal. They're they're just pointing out a fact. He's hanging out with some pretty sketchy characters. But let's be honest again for a minute. How many times have you and I looked at a situation and said, ew, they're doing that? My neighbor is that? My coworkers do that? Ew. And for one second, we'll take a little side note. Why would we expect unbelieving people to act like believing people? It's not right that they're doing that, but why would we expect unbelievers to act like believers? 
We are living in a lost and a broken world. And until Jesus Christ gets into a person and changes their heart from the inside out, a lost person is going to act like a lost person. We have to have appropriate expectations. That doesn't mean we say, way to go. We say, ooh, no, that guy needs the gospel rather than, ooh, gross, that guy is nasty. That's a pharisaical heart, church. Jesus didn't say, ooh, gross. He said, oh, a son or daughter that needs to be redeemed. A person that was made in the image of God that needs to be redeemed. They're not yet a son or daughter. Excuse me, I just misspoke. They're not yet a son or a daughter, but I'm going to go be with them. I'm going to go be in their proximity. I'm going to share with them the good news of the kingdom. So let's be careful to think that we don't do this. We do. I do this. It's very easy to look at unbelieving things and unbelieving people and go, wow, unbelievable. So how have you ever been? Has this ever been you? Have you ever been more concerned with your appearance of holiness than with showing mercy or compassion? Have you ever been more concerned with criticizing others rather than encouraging them? Have you ever been consumed with outward religious actions rather than being devoted to internal spiritual transformation? Have you ever been more concerned, you ready for this one, with policing morality rather than loving people like Jesus did? I fall into all those categories. I'm the first person to say that I failed at those things. But church, if we're going to engage with lost people, we have to, one, understand who we are. We have to, one, understand who they are and where they're at in a spiritual term. And we have to come to grips with the idea that we have some work to do in our own heart and our own soul. And the remedy for that is the gospel. Because the more that I remember that Jesus had to die for me because I was a hot mess, the more that helps me have grace and compassion and mercy for those who I look at in my world and say, wow, they're a hot mess. Yet guess what? So was I. And the reason that I'm, the only reason, like Paul says in Corinthians, the only reason that I am what I am today is by what? by the grace of God. And the only way that those people in our lives are ever going to become anything more than a person who is damned and headed to hell is by the grace of God alone. And we should pray and pursue and live obedient lives so that they would hopefully have a chance to hear the gospel, repent, believe, turn, and trust, and follow Christ. So truth point number three is this, is that self-righteous people will always act like their sins aren't as bad as other people's sins. I've been there. I think it's fair to say you've been there. I don't know your life perfectly, but I know that we are all sinners and we all are desperately in need of grace every day. Amen? So let's not be self-righteous, church. We may be redeemed, but we are not finished. There's this cool process right here in the middle before we go on to glory called sanctification. And if you're in that place, then you are being refined. And if you're being refined, it hurts. And if you're being refined, it's like Jesus talked about in John 15, that he prunes those branches who are actually bearing fruit so that they will bear more fruit. How many of you have been pruned before by Jesus? Does that feel good? No, but is it worthwhile? Yes. So let's not remember that we have not arrived and that that is the place to which we can show grace to those who have not yet begun the journey. So the kicker for this whole passage in my mind is the Pharisees ask this question, wow, why does he hang out with these sinners? They ask this question as if they're not sinners themselves. Did you notice that? They sit up from on high and look down upon the people and say, well, look at these nasty sinners down here hanging out with Jesus. Ugh. They're in the same boat. <laughs> Different sin, same boat. And so church, we must remember that Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
We must remember that all sin, all of it, whether it's your sin or someone else's sin, whether it's sin that you can see or sin that we can't see that you're doing, all sin is offensive to God. It's repulsive to Him because He's holy, perfect, and just. Therefore, all people need the gospel. Unbelievers need the gospel just as much as you and I need the gospel today. Do you believe that? If we believe that, then we will be a people that not only repent and believe and turn for salvation, but we as Christians, we live in sanctification. And every day we ought to be on our knees repenting of the sin that we've committed today and believing that the gospel is what truly maintains our justified status before God and that there's nothing that you or I can do to make ourselves more worthy to God. Jesus paid it all. But every day, I need to remember that truth because I wake up and feel like I'm not qualified to stand on a stage and talk to you people about anything from the Bible. My week was terrible. That's the truth. But yet I believe that it's not because of in my flesh, I have nothing to offer you. In and of myself, I have nothing to offer you people. In the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, is the only thing I have to offer you. Brett is not what you need. Jesus and the gospel is what you need. And by the grace of God, a broken vessel gets to pour out the gospel to some broken vessels. And by the grace of God, he makes those things into amazing, amazing treasure. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.